0: Welcome to Learning Bible Truth Thank God for another season I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala Dee Here to take you on a tour of the Bible By reading entire books in the Bible Not just one scripture, full chapters And of course, I share my commentary while we read line upon line and precept upon precept of every word of Scripture. Since you won't take the time to study and show yourself approved before God, I am bringing the Scriptures to you. So get your Bibles, take out pen and paper, invite family and friends, take notes, and let's grow in faith while we learn how to walk in God's amazing grace. Not my will, Lord, but God's will be done by giving our lives to His Son, Jesus the Christ. I, I, I surrender I surrender Father Happy Thursday, Saints. Just like I promised. Today we will be concluding episode eighteen. Welcome, welcome. Today is Thursday. It is November the 27th. Can you guys believe this month is almost out? Before you know it, we will be in year 2022. I can remember when we were in year uh, 2018, 2015, 2010, 209. So guys, for those who are listening for the first time, um, you are listening to Learning Bible Truth. I know you heard the intro. I am Dr. Kamala D. I am your host and teacher. We have embarked upon episode 18 of this 20 part series entitled Search the Scriptures. They lead you to Jesus. Now, our foundational scriptures, you don't have to go there, I, I have memorized them, is in John chapter 5, verses 30, 39, and 40. Verses 39 and 40, um, Jesus was talking to some unbelieving Pharisees and Sadducees and possibly scribes who were the law keepers um, about him healing someone on the Sabbath day. Um, He mentioned Moses before we get to verses 39 and 40 and uh, told them that if they knew Moses, they didn't even listen to Moses. If If they had listened to Moses, they would know who he was. He said, search the scriptures for in them, them who, the scriptures, Uh, they testify of me and you will not come to me. This is verse 40 so that you may have life. So what we are doing is searching the Old Testament, also known as the Hebrew scriptures. Hallelujah. So we will um, continue or either begin episode 18 with the prophet Isaiah. And then we will move on to the prophet Jeremiah in this episode and um, the prophet Daniel. Okay, so go to your Bibles, 2, chapter 61. And I will be reading verses 1 through 3. And while you are searching those scriptures, or you can pause the tape, either one, um, I'll chit-chat for a little. Um. I can tell you this episode is uh, going to be a little enlightening. Yes, you will discover some things you had not heard before. Or um, you will be, definitely you will be blessed. Definitely. Because um, we will read Jesus in these scriptures. And you didn't know that the scriptures were talking about him um the, the scriptures will become alive to you i tell you it's um just studying for this it continues to bless my soul it doesn't matter how many times i read a scripture or search them out i allow the holy spirit to speak to me to reveal the revelation of these scriptures as i also um follow his guidance into other books that i i read to search out and and confirm scripture And I tell you, it is a marvelous thing um, for the Holy Spirit to talk to you and for you to know the difference when the Holy Spirit is talking to you versus when the devil is talking to you. So the more you learn God and know about his ways and how he communicates to us, that will give you the awareness and the discernment as to when he is speaking to you versus when the devil is speaking to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I am sure you are there. I am reading from the NIV and I can tell you this. When we get to Jeremiah, I will switch to the new um King James because I found an error in the NIV in the wording and I had to go and search the Hebrew scriptures which are the original scriptures to see which version was right. And um, the new King James is right. And as a matter of fact, all of the versions that I searched and read, uh, quite a few of them have the wrong wording. So when I get to it, I'll point it out to you because it may be in your Bible, but it doesn't matter. In the end, we will end up in the same place. Hallelujah. So let's get this truth on the road. Isaiah chapter 61 I will be reading verses 1 through 3, and this is the NIV. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom or liberty for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. And verse 3, and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. My Lord, hallelujah, thank God for his word. Now at the beginning of his public ministry, I am talking about the Messiah. Jesus returned to Nazareth where he had lived as a youth. He entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and then stood up to read the scroll containing the words of the prophet Isaiah. And it was handed to him. Jesus unrolled the scroll until he got to these scriptures that I just read. He read them to the assembly. Now, I must say that every time Jesus entered a synagogue, because it was many of them, to teach or to preach, he read these three verses in Isaiah, Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3. Now, Let's look at these scriptures. He says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. That's how Jesus began the sermon. Each time he entered into a synagogue, he read these three verses and ending with the words to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he stopped. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant. And then he sat down. Now, the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on Jesus, and he began by saying to them, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Now, you can read that in Luke chapter 4, verses 20 and 21, and you can read on if you want to. Now, the men in the synagogue were amazed at the words of Jesus, you know, a fellow who who had grown up in their midst you know, and some of them used to say, isn't this Joseph? Isn't this the son of Joseph? That's what they would say. Now, Jesus rebuked the assembly with examples of how God had gone to the aid of the Gentiles in the time of Elijah and Elisha, while overlooking Israel's need. Now, the men became furious with Jesus. Now, in Luke chapter 4, verses 29 and 30, it says this, they got up The men in the synagogue, they got up, they drove him, him who Jesus out of the town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the cliff. But he, he who Jesus, he walked right through them or he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Hallelujah. That's in Luke chapter four, verses 29 and 30. And I must say this right quick. Honey, you couldn't do anything to Jesus until he was ready to go to Calvary. These scriptures say, but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. He didn't run. He didn't duck. He walked right through them. They couldn't touch him until he was ready. Only God can do that. Now, I want you to notice where Jesus stopped reading in Isaiah. He didn't read, and the day of vengeance of our God. And you know why he didn't? Because that day will come later. He had had come to bring good news to the poor, the gospel of salvation by faith in his blood. Now, I want you to also notice what Jesus claims when he says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus claims to be anointed by God. He doesn't stand up on his own but has been called by God and claims God's spirit is upon him. Now, these were blasphemous claims to to Jewish ears. Now, that's why they wanted to kill him. Jesus then says that God had sent him to do five things. He was to evangelize to the poor. He was to bring them the good news, which is the gospel. Jesus uses the Greek word evangelistai evangelist I. Now, we get our word evangelical from it, meaning gospel or or good news. Now, and second, by the good news, captives would be released. Those who were held in bondage or either captive would be released or either set free. Now, released from what? Uh huh. That's what we need to talk about. What were they being released from? They would be set free from their fear of death and being held in bondage to sin by Satan. Now you can read Hebrews chapter two, beginning at verse fifteen, as well. And they were also being set free from God's judgment. Yes. And then those who had been blinded to to the truth of God will be able to see it clearly. Now, the Lord Jesus himself would manifest this truth. And fourthly, Jesus said that God had sent him to free the oppressed, those who were held in bondage to the devil. Now, the people of of Israel were oppressed by a overwhelming system of works of righteousness that they hope would ingratiate themselves to God or either reconciled them to God. Now, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they had promulgated this phony system. They had put it together. They had made their traditions a law. Now, the Jewish leaders were looking for another kind of Messiah who would would release them from the political oppression of the Romans because the Romans also held them in, 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 in bondage. Now, and last but not least, Jesus says that he had come to announce or either proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or year of the Lord's favor. Now, a new day had dawned, a new covenant had arrived. Jesus made in these scriptures. The amazing claim that Isaiah spoke of him approximately 700 years ago. Now, if you guys can remember in the episode yesterday, I may have said, yeah, over a thousand years ago. Uh, I I was just figuratively speaking, but it was approximately 700 years ago. Now, let's look at the scriptures that Jesus did not say or did not quote. Let's look at them. And um, these are some of the words. He didn't mention comfort. He didn't mention beauty. He didn't mention gladness. He did not mention praise. He did not mention righteousness and splendor. Now, they described his church, the body of Christ, and established by his gospel in all nations of the world. No more ashes, mourning, or despair. God would plant oaks of righteousness, his saints for the praise of his glory. Jesus didn't mention that. And of course, there's a reason, but let's move on over to Jeremiah. Okay, I need you to go to Jeremiah chapter 20. And if you guys have noticed, I have learned how to slow down and not talk so fast. Okay, go to Jeremiah chapter 20. These verses are very important because I'm getting ready to switch to the New King James because the NIV has an error in wording. Okay. And that's very important because it changes the whole meaning of the scriptures when the words are wrong. So, um, I will be reading verses seven through nine. So that means I will be reading verses seven, eight, and nine, Jeremiah chapter 20. And I am reading, I'm reading from the new King James. Okay. It says, "O Lord, you induced me or either enticed me, or either influenced me. Right here, the NIV had the word wrong. It said that you deceived me. Now, you know, good and well, God is not deceiving anybody. But the appropriate word, when I searched out the original scriptures, which are the Hebrew scriptures, it says induced. And um, it also says enticed or influenced me. Okay. And I was persuaded. You are stronger than I and have prevailed. I am, am derision, which means ridiculed daily. Everyone mocks me. Verse 8. For when I spoke, I cried out. I shouted violence and plunder because the word of the Lord was made to me a reproach and a derision daily which means ridicule daily. Verse 9, Then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart like a burning fire, shut up in my bones. I was weary of holding it back, and I could not. My Lord. That's the prophet Jeremiah speaking. Now, a priest um, Basher, I think his name is, if you want to read uh, beginning at verse one of um, chapter 20, overheard Jeremiah saying these things and he had Jeremiah um, arrested and shackled and and he put shackles on him for humiliation because he heard what Jeremiah was saying. But to make a long story short, um, Jeremiah had put the priest in place because you got to remember back in that day. Um, They were a democracy, I mean, a theocracy, which means um, they were a nation solely governed by God. They had a priest, they had a prophet, and Jeremiah was the prophet of that day. And um, Basher, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the priest's name, he was the priest, but he was crooked. Yeah, he was crooked, and trust me, Jeremiah put him in place. Now, I want you to understand this as well. Jeremiah lived at that time when Israel had turned far away from God. And I I just told you that the priest uh, basher was just as crooked as they come. They had fallen into, you know, sexual immorality and debauchery, you know, preferring to worship idols uh, that they had made with their own hands instead of worshiping the true and living God the God of their forefathers, which is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they wouldn't listen to God's message of the gospel of the coming Savior. So Jeremiah preached condemnation to them. And that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to, look, we're supposed to tell you what's going to happen if you don't accept Christ. And here's the thing, it's not a bad thing to accept Christ. Your sins are forgiven, no matter what you have done. Now, I don't want to get off off the message now, because you know, I'm sharing this long message uh, two days in a row. I'm a little tired, but the truth must go on. Now, it was a very unpopular message that Jeremiah was was, uh, sharing with the people now. Jeremiah was thrown into prison and even into a well for speaking God's truth. Now, we see him in these scriptures praying fervently to God. He was praying to Yahweh. He, He was praying to the Lord God about his predicament now god's words are always true words his word is truth and uh jesus says that in john 17 verse 17 now jeremiah complained to god that that he he was just speaking god's truth he had become the object of ridicule and insults but he realized that if he did not speak God's truth, it burned in his heart. It burned in his chest like a fire. Now, Jesus also suffered ridicule and reproach because of God's truth. Now, in fact, the Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy three twelve that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. But few of us have had to shed our blood for speaking the truth. Okay, or uh, we were never, you know, nailed to a cross for speaking the truth. Jesus was ridiculed and oppressed everywhere he went. He was persecuted because he not only spoke God's truth. He was God's truth. He was God's word. He was God incarnate. In John chapter one, verse one tells us that the Israelite leaders and the people following them didn't want to hear it. They didn't want to hear God's word. They didn't want to hear the truth because it was going to mess up, you know, the little, the little gig they had going on. Now, after Jesus had healed the, the man who was born blind, you guys remember the story? The Jewish leaders had questioned the man about his healing. The man said that they ought to speak to Jesus, not him, because he didn't know what Jesus did. He just know Jesus healed him. And then they replied to him in John chapter 9, verse 29, we know that God spoke to Moses. Now, this is what these ignorant people were saying. We know that God spoke to Moses, but as for this fellow, we don't even know where he comes from. Now, can you feel their demeaning, contemptuous disrespect for the Lord in their words? Did you hear that? Now, Matthew 11, chapter 18, verse 19 says this. Well, Jesus said this, for John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say he has a demon. The son of man came eating and drinking, and they say, here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. They were talking about Jesus. The Pharisees and teachers of the law slandered and attacked our Lord every which way he turned. In Matthew 21, verses 33 through 40, Jesus told the parable of the vineyard. And let's listen. Um, I switch back to the NIV. This is Matthew 21, verses 33 through 40. You can pause the tape and when you come back, we'll be on the same page. But for the sake of time, I'm going to move forward. Jesus says, and this is verse 33. Listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard he put a wall around it, dug a a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and went away on a journey. Verse 34. When the harvest time approached, he sent his servants to the tenants to collect his fruit. Verse 35. The tenants seized his servants. They beat one killed another, and stoned a third. Then he sent other servants to them. I stopped calling out the scripture number, okay, so we can move forward. More than the first time. And the tenants treated them the same way. Last of all, he sent his son to them. They will respect my son, he said. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to each other, this is the heir. Come. Come. Let's kill him and take take his inheritance. Verse 39, so they took him and threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Verse 40, therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants? That's what he asked them unbelieving Pharisees and Sadducees. And to my surprise, they were agreeing with him about what should happen to those who did this. And then they didn't, they, when they realized Jesus was talking about them, <laughs> they got upset. Now, Jesus was talking about himself, of course, as the son of God and the prophets of God who were persecuted and assassinated before him. Jeremiah could not speak God's truth. 78 times in 78 scriptures in the gospels, Jesus said this. I tell you the truth. He said, i tell you the truth because he was telling them the truth. Mm -hmm. Now go on over to Jeremiah chapter 31. I'm going to read verses 31, 32, and 33. Okay. Jeremiah chapter 31 verses 31, 32, and 33. And I am reading the time is coming, declares the Lord. When I will make a new covenant, underline new covenant, it should be in your Bibles as well, no matter which version you have, with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declared the Lord. Verse 33. This is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. He didn't say, I will make them follow my laws under the new covenant. He said, I will put my laws in their minds and write them in their hearts. And I will explain what this means in detail as we move forward. And the latter part of verse 33. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Now, in Luke chapter 22, verses 19 and 20, we have the account of Jesus and his disciples at the Last Supper. The evening before his betrayal, we read these consecrated words. Verse 19, And he, he who Jesus took bread, gave thanks and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Verse 20. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you, my Lord. There is a new covenant. Now, if there's a new covenant, there must have been an old covenant to compare it to. Now, in verse 32 of our uh, scriptures that we just read, the Lord makes it clear that the old covenant was the Mosaic covenant given to Israel at Mount Sinai by, by Moses. It contained three types of laws. It had a moral law, which contained the uh, 10 commandments. It had a ceremonial law, which was um, sacrificial. It was a system set up to uh, offer uh, sacrifices of animals. And then there was a civil law, which was governmental, okay? Now, the moral law of Moses was given for three reasons. To show the Israelites that, number one, their God was a righteous and holy God and that they could not live up to God's laws. They couldn't do it, therefore forcing them to come to him for mercy. And number two, the law was given to restrain sin in Israel. Yes, it was given to restrain sin in Israel. Number three. The moral law was given as a blessing to God's people to show them wonderful paths of righteousness. Psalms 23 3. And as uh Psalms 11932 says, I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Hallelujah. Now the whole mosaic moral code, which is also a moral law of the old covenant it boiled down to Jesus's quote of Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 through 40. It says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. But Israel broke my covenant. Though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord, Jeremiah 31, 32 says, Israel had broken that covenant. I know y'all wasn't aware of that. This is why it changed because Israel had broken that covenant. Now, let me clarify this. When the prophet Jeremiah says uh, about God, when God says, I will, in verse 33, the latter part, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. I want to clarify this because a lot of people misunderstand this scripture as um, we are supposed to be following the laws of God. Now, when Jeremiah says, the Lord says, I will put my laws in their minds and write it on their hearts. You need to understand what God's law is. Jesus is the walking law of God. He kept the entire law, all 613 of them, that man could not keep. Remember Peter, when he was talking to the leaders in Jerusalem, he said, look, when they were trying to put the laws of Moses on the Gentiles, us, Peter said, we couldn't keep the law and our fathers couldn't keep it. So why are you trying to put a yoke around the necks of the Gentiles? And I paraphrase there. Now, Jesus kept the entire law. He is the law of God. The law, all 613 of them, represents who God is. Jesus kept them to represent who God is. He kept the laws so that we don't have to keep them. So when he says, I will put uh, my laws in their minds and in their hearts, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He's talking about Jesus. Because you have to remember, in Romans, if I'm not mistaken, Romans five five, it says the love of God is shared abroad in our hearts. Now, if you can remember, and I don't want to jump ahead of myself, so I shouldn't say if you can remember, let, let, let me move forward and we get to it. When we get to it, I will uh, share with you what I was getting ready to say. Now, the whole Mosaic moral law that I just said, um, it boiled down to Jesus in Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven, 37 and 40. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the old covenant of Moses was a two-party con- uh, conditional covenant you know, Israel broke it. Yes, they did. They broke that covenant with God. That's that's one of the reasons, not the reason, but, but one of the reasons why God created a new covenant in the Messiah. Um, so another covenant, which is a unilateral covenant had to be instituted by God. Now the word instituted may be the wrong word because the Abrahamic covenant of God's grace had never been broken. Now, I want you to remember back in chapter nine in uh, Genesis, where uh, we quoted Genesis 15, 6, that says, Abraham believed God and the Lord accredited it or counted it to him as righteousness. Now, if a person was saved in the Old Testament days, He was saved by faith in God's promises. He wasn't saved by the law. No one was ever saved by keeping the Mosaic law. So I don't know why people are trying to keep it today. Do do you understand what I'm saying? I need y'all to get this. And the Apostle Paul was explaining this to the Romans in Romans 3.20. He also was was explaining uh, law versus grace to the church in Galatia. Yes, he did. Read Galatians 2.16, and that will shut down us keeping the law under the new covenant. So what is new about the new covenant? Is that the new covenant was established for the redemption of sins through the shed blood of Jesus. That's what's new about the new covenant. So, and you know, some people argue about that. They can keep on arguing, Why wow, are we going to heaven? Okay, let them keep arguing. Now, Jeremiah thirty-one um, verse thirty-three says that the new covenant will be made with the houses of Israel and Judah. Did y'all catch that when uh, I was reading Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three? It says that the new covenant will be made with the houses of Israel and Judah. But let me tell you how we were ushered in. It says nothing about the Gentiles. Uh huh. Now we Gentiles were grafted into the root. That root is Jesus. That's the Lord. Now, Paul says this in Romans chapter 11, verse 17 through 20. Now, this is why it's so important for us to read the New Testament. To read the, the, the New Testament confirms what the Old Testament said about the Messiah. So, the Apostle Paul is about to explain to the Romans how the Gentiles were ushered in to the covenant. So, we are Gentiles, so this applies to us today. Verse 17, if some of the branches have been broken off, this is the apostle Paul talking to the Romans, and you, though a wild olive shoot, that's us, we were wild olive shoot, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not boast over those branches. If you do consider this, You do not support the root, but the root supports you. So we shouldn't be bragging that, yeah, we saved, you know, forget about Israel and all that. No, we can't brag about that because we don't support the root. The root supports us. The root is Jesus. And then um, verse uh, 19 says, you will say then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Verse 20, granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. Remember? Remember? They, they brought the uh, gospel to uh, Israel and to the Jews first, but when they rejected it, they turned to the Gentiles. That's us. So the apostle Paul says in verse 20, granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief. He's also talking to some Gentiles, explaining how we got in and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but be afraid. That word afraid here represents respect. So we should show some respect and a little fear because had that not occurred, the rejection of Christ by the Jewish leaders, not the common people, because the Bible is clear, the common people heard him gladly. And Paul was a Jew. Peter was a Jew. You know, so you can't say none of the Jews accepted Christ because a lot of them did. The Jewish establishment didn't accept him because they were looking for that king. To come and put Israel back on top of the map. But they didn't understand. Remember what I said in last episode? That little mountain called Calvary. They didn't know that the Messiah had to come twice. My Lord. So we who have been saved by God's grace. Through faith in Jesus' blood. Have been brought into his church. The body of Christ. Which is under the new covenant. Of which Christ is the mediator. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 15, and 1 Timothy 2 and 5. Write those down and read that. Christ is the only mediator between man and God. Now, let's trot on over there to Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel. And let's see what he has to say about the Lord, about the coming of the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Ezekiel chapter 37. You go ahead on over there while I get there myself. I'm using an electronic Bible so I can move a little faster than y'all. And yes, I'm there. So, um, hopefully you are there too. If not, you can pause the tape. I'm going to go ahead on and read. And by the time you come back, we'll be on the same page. I will be reading uh, chapter 37 verses one through six, and then I'm going to read verse 10. Okay. Verses one through six, and then jump to verse 10. Verse one. This is the prophet Ezekiel talking. The hand of the Lord was upon me, and he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. Verse 3, he asked me, son of man, can these bones live? I said, O Savoyne Lord, you alone know. Verse 4, then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Verse 5, this is what the Savoyne Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Verse 6, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Now let's jump to verse 10. Verse 10 says, So I prophesied as he commanded me and breathed into them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. My Lord Oh, you know, I know I got to explain this. Now, Ezekiel's vision of the valley of dry bones is one of the most famous scriptures and or, or either famous visions in the entire Old Testament. Now, the bones that Ezekiel sees are not only disjointed human bones, they are dry. They have been lying out in the sun for a long time. No life remains in them. The Lord asked Ezekiel, he says in verse three, son of man, can these bones live? Ezekiel responded, O sovereign Lord, you alone know. Now the term sovereign Lord is used three times in our subject scriptures of Ezekiel 37, one through six and verse uh, 10. And it also goes on to 14. I just didn't read that far. God is addressed or referred to as the sovereign Lord. Excuse me, I know y'all heard me burp, huh? and I am not going to edit that out. Now, 217 times in Ezekiel, the word sovereign Lord is mentioned. 74% of the time it is used in the entire Old Testament. Now, uh, this phrase is important. God's omnipotence, it describes his power. Now, omni means all, and potence, you put them together, it's omnipotence. Potence means power, so that's how we get God is all powerful. Now, God's sovereignty, on the other hand, speaks of his willingness to use his great power. The God of the Bible isn't the God of Deist, who wound things and then sits back in his lazy boy to watch how everything turns out. God is intimately involved in his creation. God subornly provides for the needs of his creatures. Now, in Acts chapter 17, verse 28, the Apostle Paul says, quoting a pagan philosopher, in him we live and move and have our being. Now, the dry bones of Ezekiel's vision, it represents the universal church. Now, as we have seen, Israel is a type of the church, but is a church of dry bones. Ezekiel was ordered to prophesy these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. That's in verse four. The prophet is to preach the word of God to the dry bones. Now, preaching is the way that God brings life out of death. Consequently, faith comes by hearing. And hearing by the word of God, that's in Romans 10, 17. Now the prophet or the preacher cannot bring life out of death. Only the word of God can bring resurrection. And resurrection is possible only through the finished works of our Lord Jesus Christ, what he did on that cross. Now as the apostle Paul says uh, to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6, He says, yet for us, there is but one God, the father from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. We live through Christ. Jesus said in John chapter five, verse 24, I tell you the truth. Whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. We have to believe on the God who sent Christ. Okay. We have to believe on him through Christ. That's the only way we can believe on the God who sent Christ by believing on God through Christ. He has crossed over from death to life. That's the latter part of John 24. We have crossed over from death to life. Now, this is not talking about the physical death. This is talking about the spiritual death. Because everyone before accepting Christ is the walking dead. It's called being spiritually dead. Meaning, completely disconnected from God. They can say God all they want, but God doesn't hear them. They are spiritually disconnected from them. Because you have to remember, God cannot look upon sin. He cannot support sin. God forgives it. But when those who are in Christ, those who accept Christ, when we sin, God doesn't see us. He sees Jesus. Yes, he sees Jesus. And without Christ, you are spiritually dead. Okay. So where are we? Now, because Jesus lives, we too shall live. Now, Ezekiel preached and and the bones came to life. Now, verse 10 says, so I prophesied as he commanded me and breath entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. Now the metaphor is uh, unmistakable here. The bones aren't sick or near death. The bones are dead and dried out. The bones are a picture of you and me and Israel because Jesus brought us from death to life. Jesus declared to Nicodemus in John 3:3. remember Jesus told him, I tell you the truth. No one can see, and that word see means come to know or either understand in the Greek, the kingdom of God unless he or she is born again. Now, our faith in Christ is a gift of God that follows immediately upon our new birth. After we confess Christ, we are born again. That's how we enter into the new birth. Now, our God is an awesome God, saints. He truly is. He is the true and living God. Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Keep that embedded in your mind and in your heart. Now, trot on over there to Daniel chapter 3. I couldn't wait to get to this section. I had to add this to this episode. I cannot wait to share these and this is going to be our um uh last message in this episode. Daniel chapter 3, and I will be reading verses 22 through 25 and I am continuing to read in the NIV. And beginning at verse 22 it says, "The king's command was so urgent, And the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did you, did you, did you read, did, did you hear that? It says the king, talking about Nebuchadnezzar, the king's command was so urgent. And the furnace was so hot because he told them to turn it up seven times hotter than what it normally is for these three Hebrew boys that the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Verse 23, and these three men, firmly tied, fell into the burning fiery furnace, your version, including the NIV, I just chose not to say it, may say blazing furnace. Now, verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king, verse 25. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. My Lord, my Lord, now back then they were polytheistic, and some of uh, some people are like that today. Polytheistic means that they believed in many gods, so this is why the king said that the fourth man looks like a son of the gods not the son of God, but the son of the gods because they were polytheistic. We are monotheistic, us Christians, we know and we believe. And know that there's only one God, the God who created the heavens and the earth. We know good and well if there were many gods and they were fighting, this world wouldn't exist today. How can gods be fighting? The one that we serve, and you are about to find out, honey, is the only one with the power. Okay, now Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were Jews. They were also known as the three Hebrew boys. They had been carried off into Uh, exile in Babylon in the 6th century BC. Babylon's king, who was Nebuchadnezzar at the time, had set up a golden image of himself and ordered everybody under his command to bow down and worship this golden image whenever they heard a certain music being played. Now he commanded that whoever did not fall down and worship the image would be thrown into the burning fiery furnace. But the three Hebrew boys, hallelujah, they defied the word of the king and refused to worship that image. This is what they said to him. I want you to read Daniel 3.16, which is one of my favorite scriptures as it relates to faith in this entire Bible, including the New Testament. They said this, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the burning fiery furnace, the God that we serve, hallelujah, is able to save us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, I want y'all to pay attention to this. Even if he does not, you have to remember what they just said. He's still able. Even if he doesn't do it, he's still able to do it. That's the God that we serve. Now, let me continue. We still want you to know, O King, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. That's Daniel chapter 316. Now, the reason, and I am going to digress right here because this is a, a, a moment of faith, faith building. These boys were about to be thrown into a burning fiery furnace that was so hot that the men who were putting them in there burned up. They weren't even in the furnace and they burned up. But I want you to pay attention to what's going on next. They were ready to face death rather than bow down to the golden image. Now, the king was furious, no doubt about that, as in our um, subject scriptures, he cast the three of them into a super hot furnace. The soldiers who cast them in even perished in the flames looking into the furnace. The king and his men were shocked to see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego walking around. They were walking around. They were alive and another man was with them, one who looked like a son of the gods. But how many of you Want to take a guess who that was? Huh? How many of you want to guess who that was? We have discussed in previous episodes in this series theophanies and also um, what we termed as a Christophany, a physical manifestation of the pre incarnate Christ. Here we see a Christophany, the fourth man in the furnace. So, how do we know? that this was Jesus. How do we know this to be true? Now, let me uh, share with you some things. The fact that our three brave and faithful young men survived the fire is a miracle in itself. The Bible says that not a hair on their head, which is in verse 27, was burned. Not one. Only God can interfere with the natural laws of his created order. Only God can save them from that. And then second, the figure was that of a man. What other man could it have been? Even the soldiers who tossed the three young boys into the fire died while doing so. Now, this man who resembled, quote unquote, what uh, Nebuchadnezzar said, a son of the gods, was indeed the God of the universe, the pre-incarnate Jesus. Now, we know it was the pre-incarnate Christ because of the effect his appearance and miracle had upon the Gentiles that were present and the king, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said in verse 29, no other God can save in this way other than the God of those three Hebrew boys. Now, miracles always testify to the true God's work and his word. Now, we use the term too loosely today saying even the most common of all God's extraordinary providence to us is a miracle. Uh -uh. Now, we know the fourth man was Jesus because it is Jesus who saves his people from the hell or the fire of the pits of hell. It is Jesus who does that. Now, the Bible rarely speaks of hell. The term hell only occurs in the New Testament 14 times. And 12 of those times, it comes from the lips of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For instance, Jesus said in Matthew 18, 9, And if your eyes cause you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown into the fire of hell. In Mark nine forty three, Jesus said, um, If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life maimed than with two hands go into hell. That's the NIV version where the fire never goes out. Now hell is of course represented by other terms in Revelation 20:14 we can read then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. Now you have to remember the lake of fire, or if you don't know, I always say if you you have to remember, assuming that you guys know these scriptures, the lake of fire is the second death. It is the final death. Going to hell is where those non-believers go when they die. You know how Christians go into the bosom of Jesus when they pass away? Well, non-believers go to hell Well, the fire, it it never quenches. It continuously burns. And then on the day of judgment, it, they will be told why they are getting ready to be thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. And that's eternal. Okay, so I just wanted to uh, pause there a little bit and explain what the lake of fire is. The lake of fire is the second death. Remember that. Now, just as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were saved from Nebuchadnezzar's fire by their faith in God's deliverance, you have to remember, they said it before it happened. They said the God that we serve is able to save us from the burning fire, fiery furnace. And if he chooses not to, we still not going to bow down to you, but keep in mind what they said. They said he's able to do it. And because they said this before it happened, God did it. You think if they didn't have no faith in God at all, that they, they would not have been dinner that night. Mm -mm, They would have (laughs) been, they would have been dinner that night, (laughs) whether it would have been for Nebuchadnezzar's animals or his staff. They would have been burnt to a crisp, but God protected them. Not one hair on their heads burned. So why are we all bent out of shape when they say a storm is coming? When you have a trial in your life, we need to have that faith that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had. They had, we need to make that confession. The God that I serve is able to deliver me from this trial. The God that I serve is able to heal me from cancer. The God that I serve is able to heal me from a stroke. I'm a living witness. Hallelujah. The God that I serve is able to deliver me from that sinful lifestyle. That's the faith we have to have. We have to have that faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So also we who have come to Jesus by faith in his blood, shall be saved from the fire that burns forever, and we will never be thrown into the lake of fire and brimstone. And my friends, that's the end of episode 18. Um, Episode um, 19 and 20 will conclude this entire series next weekend. So I want to extend that invitation to Christ to anyone who is listening to me Right now, today is the day of salvation. Now is the time because tomorrow is not promised to you. We get this confession in Romans chapter 9. No, Romans chapter 10 verses 9 and 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe and receive in your heart that God raised him from the dead. Meaning he is seated at God's right hand right now. He is alive we serve a risen savior. The God that we serve is able. He's able to deliver us from the burning fire, furnace or whatever trial you are going through today, but you got to be in the kingdom. The only way you can enter into the kingdom and become born again is by making that confession and believing and receiving it in your heart. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of the living God, that's what makes him Lord. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead and see, and he is now seated at God's right hand. That means you believe he is alive. You are ushered into the kingdom of God. You are born again. That's the new birth. I don't care what nobody tell you. They can't prove otherwise in scripture. That's the new birth. So, saints, if you have made that confession, you are saved. Hallelujah. Welcome into the household of faith. And anyone you encounter until we meet again, you treat them with compassion, dignity, and respect. Because those who have not accepted Christ, they are walking dead. They are dead bones. And you need to seek for an opportunity to slide in there, the Lord Jesus Christ, by sharing the gospel. Don't share the gospel of re- of of condemnation. We have been given the gospel of reconciliation you let people know that any works cannot reconcile them to God. Only the blood of Jesus can reconcile them to God. It doesn't matter what you have done. You could have killed a hundred people last night. Now you may be held accountable in the court of law. You have to, but by God, your soul can go to heaven by confessing Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So until next time, saints, peace out. Are enlightened by this message. If you have any questions or comments about this particular episode, please send your questions or comments to talkingbibeltruth.cd at gmail.com. Or you can send me a direct message through my podcast by clicking on the message button located on the homepage of all my podcasts Anchor, Spotify, Breaker, Google Podcast, and Radio Public to submit your remarks. I should note that you must be a follower of my show to submit a voice message. So don't forget to click the follow button. You can also support my podcast financially by accessing the homepage on my podcast and clicking on the support this podcast button. Whatever you choose to donate will be greatly appreciated and used to help further the gospel. I am praying for God to give you a return on your donation. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 14, the Apostle Paul says, In the same way, the Lord commanded that those who proclaim the gospel should get their living by the gospel, English Standard Version. Please sow your seed in good ground with a cheerful heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Now, until next time, my sisters and brothers, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host and teacher, Dr. Kamala D. rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. And remember, continue to walk with Jesus. I thank you for tuning in and I hope to see you next time.